Hello and welcome to Odds and Evenings, a podcast about mathematics, puzzles, numbers and games. My name is Alex and I'm one of the hosts that we have on the show. Um, with me, as usual, is Alaric, who is also one of the two hosts that we have on the show. But there's a slight difference, a special episode in two ways. First of all, it's a live episode, which is, you know, we've only had two or three of those before. But also, this is our first guest episode, which if you're literate and you've read the title, you will have noticed. But we have with us Matthew Squoggs, editor Hello. of Chalk Dust. Hello. Hello. Well, um... Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, good. So, you know how normally we do, like, three things, and, yep. and like, just for a change, you go first, like, every now and again, <laughs> and then and then I do one, and then you do one. Yep, um, I think all three of us are going to do one each, yeah? I've got a game. Uh, it's a game, I think we'll be able to work a bit together on it, but it's, it's going to be a bit quantum. Um, it was recommended by a listener, Russ Collins, and it, it looked really interesting. Mm. So, Go Fish. It's a, it's a simple card game. Yeah. You, you probably play it at primary school and high school, where you deal out a pack of cards, and then um, you ask questions of the form, do you have any freeze? And the next person says, oh, yes, I do. And they give you one of them. Or they'll mm. say, no, I don't. Go Fish. Um, we're going to be playing Quantum Go Fish. Now. Okay completely deterministic game um, the game is played like this there are as many suits as there are players so we're going to be playing with three suits okay um, and each person starts off with four cards in total so each suit is going to have four cards in it the questions that you're going to ask in your turn are of the form do you have any Alex? yes you can <laughs> name the suit whatever you want okay. um, now just like in Go Fish, you can only ask the questions that you have at least one of those cards of. Okay. Now, you don't know what cards you have at the start. By me saying, do you have any trees, Matthew, um, what I am saying to everyone is at least one of my cards is a tree. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I suppose that's the only information. Oh, I suppose it also tells you that one of the three suits is called trees. Um, you, in your hand at the start, don't know what you have. In a sense, you have a superposition of all of the things that you could have. Mm. You, by making a statement, cl- claps that waveform. Okay. You can decide whatever you want. Your choices here are, no, I don't. Okay. Or you could say, yes, I do. And you would give me one of those trees. So you'd only have three cards left and I'd have five. Either way, information has been ascertained about the game. Now, there are two ways to win here. Way number one is after your turn... At the end of it, after you've asked your question it's been answered, if the contents of everyone's hand is known, it's completely deterministic, then you win the game. Okay. If the contents of everyone's hands are known, yes. you win the game. Oh, everyone's not just one person, everyone's. Yes. Okay. Or, if that hasn't happened, if you provably have all four of a suit, you win. Of a suit? Yes. Okay. okay. Because, so if you have all of the cards of that suit... Now, if we make something paradoxical, if we get to something where we've accidentally got up to five cards or four suits, then we all lose. So it's on us to try and stop that sort of thing going. Ah, we have to adhere reality. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, this game is traditionally played while drunk, while trying to keep a lot of information in your head. Okay. This game gets a lot harder the more people you have, because you're playing with a suit per person. Now, with one person in the game, the game's really easy, because you win immediately. Because there is one suit of four cards and you have them all. 
Or do you, nobody wins because you have to ask somebody in order to ascertain what's in your hand <laughs> and determine what the suit is. Oh. And you have nobody to ask. You're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not play that game. Okay. Um, but we've got three people. Yeah. Um, should, we, should we try a trial game and see what happens? I'm going to try okay. and resist writing anything down, but... Either way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Matthew? Um, do you have any otters? Yes. Um, does Otter have to be a suit, or could it be... By me asking the question, I am telling you one of the suits is Otters. But there's also numbers, so the Otters can't go on the numbers. Uh, The numbers don't really come into it. All we care about is how many... Okay, so they're four clones of the same Otter card. Yes. Okay. Oh, but there's not Otter 1, Otter 2, Otter 3, Otter 4. There is, but they're never going to be referred to. But can you ask about threes? Uh, You are only going to be asking for suits. Okay, Okay. fine, fine. It's it's slightly easier than I thought. Yes. (laughs) So I said yes. Yes. Okay. So you then give me one. Thank you very much. Uh, I now have five cards. What do we know about them? At least two of your cards are otters. Yes. And that's the only information we know. Because it could be that Matt has more than one otter, but he only gave me one. You only ever give one when you ask for things. Mm. And we don't know about the layouts of... All of the other cards. You don't okay. have. You don't have four otters. Like I there's can't, the, well, there's... he must have started with an otter because otherwise he wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Yes. 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 So actually, we know at least one of Matt's cards is not an otter. Three. And yeah. at least two of Alex's are, because there's only four otters in total. Yes. So we do know some information about the other cards. Right. Right. Uh, okay. Let's go around in the circle. So um, Matt... Okay. So um, Alex, do you have any otters? Uh, no, I don't have any otters. Okay. Okay. Right. Everyone's processing that. Okay. <laughs> so we we now know the one more of the cards because Matt definitely has an otter to be able to ask the question, mm. and we know none of yours are otters. Mm. That's not a lot of otters. Not a lot of otters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, all out of otters. Okay. So do I ask? Yes. Right. Um, Alaric, do you have any weasels? Um, no, no, I don't. Weaselless. What does that mean? Uh, it means you have at least one weasel. There's some distribution of... Uh... And yeah. and I must have at least one weasel, otherwise he's one, because he'd have all four weasels. Because we know you don't have any weasels. It is only if you can prove that you don't have any... Oh, okay, right. Yeah, there's no hidden variable theory here. It's, we yeah. actually both have uh, some... Okay, like, so, so it is, then if you ask me if I have any weasels, I have to say yes, otherwise i let you win. Yes. Is what I mean. Yeah. Um... So I have no otters, some weasels, and we don't know about the others. Alex, do you have any snarks? Well, you've broken the mustelid theme, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I have snarks. Okay, I, I will have one. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm on six cards with it, two otters, two, two snarks. snarks, no weasels. Oh no! But it could be that I had. Three, three otters, otters and, and three, three snarks, potentially. I know I can't have four otters because Matt has one yeah. of them. Take his snarks. Okay. Um, Take his snarks wait, off him. Hang on, <laughs> just to check that there's enough cards that you guys might have here. You you both have three cards. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Matt has at least one otter. Yep, and I know nothing about any of the others. Yep. Alex, what Alex, do we know about your otters? I think card? I've got two weasels. And no otters. Two weasels, no otters, a variable number of snarks. I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Oh yeah, because they're all three suits, aren't they? Yeah. 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 We've run out of uh, okay new namings. 
I was imagining four to two. I've got everything wrong. I'm going to re- recalculate. I can't believe that after your question, this will be not resolved because yeah. there's so little information left. Right. Yeah, I've just yeah. got to work out how to. It's been careful not to do the paradox. Take I've got an otter. You've got at least two otters. Yep. And at least one snark. No, at least two snarks because yep. you've taken a snark. You've got at least two weasels. I have two weasels and a snark because I have no otters. Two weasels. And a oh, may- oh no, maybe I have three weasels. Okay. Yep. Okay, I could have three weasels. But whatever happens on Alex's next turn, if he asks you for a snark, no, but if I could have a snark, mm, so he can't quite win. I'm trying because I, I, you all, if if you ask him for a snark and he gives you one, that means you have all four snarks. Yes, I think I have lots of ways to win. Take I don't snarks. think it's going to come around to me again. Like yes. I said, take his snarks. Well, so I'm trying to work out what's <laughs> taking you. But I'm, I always have to work out if I can take to win. Yeah, to be able to resolve it rather than to try and collect the cards because you win if you resolve it all. Yes. So I think oh I think you can resolve my hand. Well, am I allowed to? Say, am I allowed to suggest what <laughs> yeah, you so ask I, me? So I, so I know you've got no otters. So if I ask you for a snark and you say you haven't got one, then my hand is known. Oh, but if I ask you for a snark, that makes me, gives me a snark. And then your hand is deterministic. Yep. Oh. Or is it? Well, I've got an otter, a snark, and I can't work out what the next one is unless I, I have to work out what you've got first. But you asking me resolves my hand, and so the only ambiguity would be in. But you've got. Three snarks or two snarks? I've got at least two snarks. At least two snarks. Okay. So I, if I could, we could both have a snark. I either have a snark and two weasels or three weasels. That's okay. Yeah. And me asking you would resolve that. We could have to write something down, I think. <laughs> okay, so if I ask you that, I would then know either you've got three weasels yeah. or two weasels and a snark. I would yeah. know that I had to start with a snark, so I have a snark and a... I'm going to ask it to work out afterwards, then we're going to have to do lots of ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, do you have a snark? No, I don't have a snark. Okay. Which I think probably is the answer that leaves it not resolved. So that means you've got three weasels. Yeah. Is that I guess it's going to win next time. And you're going to get the last weasel. Yeah. So if you've got weasel, weasel, weasel. Yeah. What do we know about your hand map? Um, I've got an otter and a snark and an unknown card. You have an otter and a snark and a, you must have a weasel because Alaric has no weasels. Yes. And I'm. I'm ah, my... and you're going to take my weasel. Well, my, but now, but now, now that we know that, we know the then contents of Alaric's hand. I have an otter. Oh, so did I just win by... I have three otters and three snarks, and so Matt is one. Completely my accent. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, my plan was to take the last weasel. I wonder how long these games can go, because Mm. it feels so much information is discovered every turn. I suppose you could keep having the same questions going backwards and forwards if people kept swapping otters backwards and forwards. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I wonder if two people could conspire to not reveal enough to the other player. Yeah, here's an infinite game. Let's say we kept asking each other in a circle for an otter. Oh, and the otter just and gets we, passed around in a yes. circle. Mm. We yeah. all have an otter, so we're still able to ask that question, mm. and then we've got the fourth travelling otter. I swear there's rules in actual Go Fish that stop back and forth between two players, right? I think in actual Go Fish you can collect all of their type. Right, yeah. Whereas we're only taking yeah, one. Yeah, you hand over all the threes, and they can't ask you back because they don't have threes have to one. be able to ask. Yes, yeah. that's it. All right. I never asked you about snarks, did I? That information has been wiped from my mind as soon okay. as the game has gone. <laughs> I've, I've cleared the ramp. Yeah, yeah. So, winning strategy here? I think it's easier to win by revealing everything. Yes. Than it is to win by by winning properly. So, here's where I think the toss-up is. If someone asks you a question and you say yes to it, that you do have that, mm. you're a card down. If you say no to it, then you're giving them more information. But a smaller hand is easier to determine. It's a smaller hand for you, but it's yeah. larger hands for other people. Right. 
I, I think that's a toss-up. I, I think you saying yes to something, giving over a card, means it's less likely that you're going to win by having four the same, because you're you're yeah. suddenly under that four limit. Yeah. But I think it collapses the way four more by you saying, no, none of these cards have this trade. Mm. It's a bit like when you're playing um, that game Humbug, where you say one, two, or three, and you're trying to get to 21, or yeah. not get to it, or whatever. You're trying to do a, like a small amount or a large amount, because you're trying to judge how far around the circle it's going to go. Are yeah. we trying to go down or are we trying to go up yeah. in a multi-man game of Humbug? Yeah. I think it's the same in this. Do we want the game to go slower or faster so that it gets round to me again so I can determine? It's past the parcel. How long do you hold on to that parcel? Do you judge that the uh, the music is going to stop by the time you gets round to you again? Yeah. There must be a singular unit of unknowingness or uncertainty. Is that on a card-by-card basis or is there a broader... Like, unit of uncertainty. 12 cards. Each one starts off in state, it could be 1, 2, or 3. Yeah. And they slowly downgrade to, it could be 1 or 2, or it could be 2 or 3, or it could be 1 or 3. Yeah. Or then the next downgrade is, it is 1. Yeah. Um, and so each piece of information, is, each of the 12 cards is trickling down to those different That's states. That's the step, yeah. The problem is they're entangled. I'm not sure if I actually mean that That's word, but we're using quantum. <laughs> uh, They're in a the, superposition. Yes. Yeah. Determining one gives you information about others. Yeah. Well, I'm going to commit to the word entanglement. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> this game becomes hellish for more than three people. If, if someone was to say no, I don't have one of those cards, yep. then the person who said no removes one of the options from all of their cards. Yes. But if they say yes, well, again, it depends if the question asker if we already know the question ask has one of those cards or not. Yep. So if we just think about the first turn, um, so when you asked me, do I have an otter? Yep. If I said yes, then that made two of the cards absolutely certain. Yes. But if I said no, it removes one option from all of my cards. Yes. So which one of... So those both remove four options. If you say no twice, the first time you're denying first suit, the second time you're denying second suit, then you oh, have... Oh, then you win because you must have all four of the other suit. Yeah. Or, or you lose because you've done something impossible if someone else... Yes. No, you must You must lose because if you ask me if I had any otters said no, and Alex asked me if I had any weasels said said no, you must have otter, you must have weasel. Oh, no, and, the, and then the other suit is... Because they could be a yeah. split. Yeah. yeah. So, saying no is quite a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because not only do you hold cards, because keeping up to four is important there. Yeah. Similarly, if two people say no to your question, do you have a something, you must all have all of those as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless, you know, you're playing with more... But we're talking about the three-person three yes. game yeah. here, yeah. In an n-person game, you can win in n-2 askings, provided they ask you... No, n-1. Oh, uh, okay, so imagine taking it down to the two-person game. That's saying if you say no once? Yeah. Yeah. It determines it's it. Over. But it's the other person that asked the question... Remember, there were two ways of winning this. The first is collapsing the waveform for everyone. And the second is, given that that person didn't win asking the question, then you would, if you provably have four of the same, you win. So in the two-person game, the only thing you can do on your first turn is say yes. I agree. Otherwise they win. Yes, otherwise they win by collapsing it. The two-person game doesn't seem that big. Should we just explore it and see? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Go ahead. I will watch. (laughs) Okay, should we, should we do an actual game? Yeah, do yeah, it. Let's, let's try one. Matt, would you like to start? Um, okay. Um, well, Alaric, do you have any otters? Yes, here you go. 
Okay. Right. Do you have a hand of how many now? Five. Five, Five. two of which are otters. Right, I've got two choices, and I think we should explore both of these. So, the first choice is me saying the next suit. So, um, Matt, do you have any snarks? Right. If I was to say no, then there's an impossible situation. Because you only have three cards, and I don't have any of them. Yes, you have five cards, so at least one would have to be... Snark. Yes. So we all lose if we all okay. We all yep. lose, not just right. it's okay, all not. So I have to say yes. Yeah. And in fact, we already knew you had one. Yeah. Because there just weren't that many possibilities. So after your first question, we knew you had two otters, at least one of the other suit. We didn't know what name it was yet because it hadn't been named. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yes, here is one of them. Okay. Now what? So now we know I have at least two snarks. Matt has at least two otters. And we both have two unknown cards. Yep. So I think what my best strategy here would be would be to ask you for another otter. Yes. Because if you say no, I've won. If you say yes, you give me one. Then, oh no, but then I think I might lose. No, but isn't, I... it, isn't it symmetrical at this point? Like, but it if... doesn't matter. It's there's, we've, There is no, we have generality at this point. You can ask, it doesn't, asking for either suit is exactly the same. No, because it, it's, it's which player has which yeah. two. Surely you both have at least two of each at this point. No. What's the difference because between Because I, I might have all four snarks, or I might have three snarks and an otter, or I might have two snarks, two otters. Yeah. So the symmetry was broken when the, of the one that you specifically asked yes. in each way. Okay. Yeah. 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 But you so can swap the players, isn't it? If I was to ask for a snark, we just go back exactly by way of the previous move. Yes. And then you ask for a snark back, or yep. you ask for an otter back, and we go. We either go backwards or. So we just go back to a position we've already been in. So I think if you do the only way of doing something different would be to ask you for an otter. So okay. do you have an otter? If I say no, then it's completely determined yep. because we know we have... We know have whole suits each. Yep. yep. So I have to say yes. Okay, so I take one of your otters. So and I've got three otters. And an unknown card. Two unknown cards. Oh, that's true. Because we're down to four each and now it's five to me. So you've got... Oh. You've got at least three otters. You've got at least one snark as well, because the ro- if you've got five cards, you must have at least one of each suit. Yep, three. So you've got one unknown card, three otters, and a snark. I've got two snarks and an unknown card. So I think whatever I say now determines it. Ooh. Or you've got three snarks. No, because if you ask me for a snark... Oh, because I know you have you, Your card will still be unknown. So if, if you ask me for a snark, you'll have three snarks unknown. Yep. I'll have three otters and unknown. Yes. And then I will win by either getting all the otters or confirming it. Yes. So what happens if you ask me for an otter? We almost go back to the previous position, except we know slightly more about the cards now. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you for an otter. Um, yes, here's one of them. Okay, thank you. So now you've got two snarks, an otter, and an unknown. Yep. I've got two otters, a snark, and an unknown. Okay. I don't really know what the sensible move is. Yeah, how do you resolve this? Yeah, I think this may just I be feel drawn like we may be um, Because whatever we ask for, it's not revealing any information because you know I've got at least one of each. But if you ask for otters... So, so if I ask you for the otter and take your otter off you, yeah. you still have an unknown. But I can just ask for it. Oh, can no, ask... I can't ask for it back because for me to ask for the otter, I had to have already had an otter. So when I just asked you the question... It presupposes I have an otter. Right, yes, yeah. that's what we're missing. Yes. Oh, which means you've just resolved everything. So yes, so that claps win? down. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, so how many moves does that take? Because those moves seem pretty, like, you couldn't have done much else. 
There was one branching off earlier in the thing that we could have done. Yeah. But most of branching off took us back to somewhere we would have been. Yeah. Except there was some extra information which maybe I didn't work through when I was thinking about that. Maybe the number of moves doesn't matter. How many branches are there in this game? <laughs> because it must be a... Um, not to go back to our favourite thing, which is directed graphs, but there must be a directed graph that has all of the states. Yeah, it's For a this tree. one, at the very least. But, uh, it'll be a tree, yeah, because it'll be hard to go backwards, so... It's a tree, and we've proven that in the free case, at least... Uh, there is a, we can do some loops so it's not completely a tree because mm. we had the, the scenario where we had an otter each and a travelling otter so we know that there are some states which go back to previous right. states there's, there's some cycles within yeah I'm not sure sh- so it could, in the tree there could be at most 3 to the 8 positions because each card has either snark, otter or either yeah. and there's 8 cards Yes. But I imagine some of those are going to be unachievable positions. I imagine so, yeah. Um, mm. So it's not going to be that stupidly big. Uh, the unknowns in your hand, they all have to be the same type of unknown. Yes, you what? can't sing between the unknowns. So there's fewer states because... What do you mean? So you can't have one that's definitely not an otter and one that's not a snark or a weasel. They're all the same state of unknown. No, I d- And I think there are different unknowns. Oh, no, no, in the two-person game, you either know what it is or you don't, but in the three-person game, it's like, not a weasel, not an otter, and it's still uncertain as to whether it's one of the other two. When you do a question, you either wipe out wipe out all of some, some unknown or confirm some unknown about all of your cards. I, I think so- you're right. The only way you could get cards with different unknowns would be if you gave me a card that you knew wasn't an otter. But then by giving it to me, it confirms what it is. But if I start... And this is in a three-person game. Yep. Yeah. If I, if I start and nobody knows what's in my hand and then you ask me do you have any artists and I say no surely that's a different category of unknown than I now have a full hand of but, but all your all the cards in your hand all have the same unknown yeah your cards are all not artists so my, my our unknowns are different but your unknowns are always the same as your other unknowns I suspect in a ah uh, yeah in someone's hand it always has the same type of unknowns probably what about the stuff where you know there's only a certain number and so you could only have one, for example, because you know somebody has two and somebody might have one. And Yeah, true. Maybe So maybe three to eight is not the right way to think about it because you could have, if you know you've got at least one weasel. No, but if you know you've got at least one weasel, then you've just got a weasel and three and other unknowns. Oh, because you just shuffle the, like, the ones that you can't really see. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They don't hold information. So your hand always has the same type of unknown but does that mean that all unknowns are the same I suppose it is it's like Alaric's unknowns yes Matthew's unknowns that is a nice simplification yeah I can imagine that being useful if you're trying to yeah because well, if I've gone about four unknowns there's one position rather than 24 positions yes there's yeah. unknowns so that's going to decrease the complexity it's essentially it's all going to be measured on a on a 4 by n matrix right and like it's just the, the the column that each hand is in that is the you know, it, it'll be unknown subscript one unknown subscript two but it's always going to be in the same column yeah. if it's if you're transforming a matrix. I know the way that people play this with a visual aid because cards don't really work mm. properly because you're determining what they are. Yeah. Um, people do it with paper clips, so they hold four paper clips in their hand, mm. and in front of you you have on a pad of paper. Something like one, two, three, one or two, one or three, two or three, 
written in like big blobs. Mm. And then when information is known, you just put your paper clips onto one of the circles. And as you take one from someone else, you, you physically take you take a paper clip, pop it into one of your sections. So it's like the paper clips themselves don't it's not written on the paper clip what the uh, quantifiable state of it is. Because that keeps changing. Yes. It's a hand slot, essentially. Yes. Yeah. So rather than having things in your hand, it's like your hand is applied to something else. But yes. associations are like abstract things anyway, so what even is having a hand? Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I think we've probably got as far as we can with that Pretty one. Pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to think about the N equals f- 4, 5, 6, like more players, and then like what is an infinite person game like with this? I... I like to play it with more people, possibly with some drink. Okay. Yeah, yes. it has potential. Maybe at Mass Jam. Yeah, we'll get yeah. a group of us. And... Yes, in the evening section. Yeah. yeah, that could be really good fun. Cool. Nomic last year. Come to Mass Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I've brought a puzzle along for you today. Um, so I'd like you both to imagine you're organising two tennis tournaments. Okay. A professional tournament and an amateur tournament. Yep. Um, yep. And each. Um, for, for the simpler case let's start with um, you've got two players going to take part in each tournament okay. so you've got four tennis players you don't know which tennis players are professional and which tennis players are amateur Okay. Um, but if you play some matches between them um, if you play a professional against an amateur the professional is going to win I see yep. um, but if you play two professionals or two amateurs it could go either way okay um, yes so but is it is the difference between a win and like a trouncing or is it just no, win no, or lose? So, so no, so it's it's you just get given the, the score. You get given the, the result, yeah. And you're not sure if it's a like a amateur beating a, an amateur losing to a professional, or if it's a kind of random result from one of the other two. So we need to. What do we need to determine here? Just who is professional and who isn't? Yes. So I want you to determine who is professional, who is amateur. So I'm envisioning this as a sorting problem. I'm thinking it's kind of coined away, but go okay, on. Okay, so <laughs> you put them. All, it's basically a sorting. You have an unsorted list. Yep. And you're applying. I don't know which sorting algorithm it is, but it's the one where you throw it into like one half, and then uh, and then it you keep halving from there. So you have an unsorted list of zeros and ones, or maybe quick sort. ones and two. Is that quick sort? Yeah. So you're it's it's a bit like quick sorting an unsorted list of, of ones and twos. Okay. And uh, and net narrowing it down from there, and it's how many comparisons that. Quicksort is, but I don't know Quicksort's the perfect algorithm for this case. So I think it would end up having too many matches because, yeah. well, if we, if we do it for a large tournament, if you had like 10 players, because yeah. the top five are going to be equal and the bottom five are going to be equal, yeah. Yeah, we, we could do. end up with a lot more trying to sort them than you need to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got four equal people at the beginning because we don't know no information about them. They're mm. like cards in the hand of a quantum go Yeah, it turns out it's very similar to the last <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, so, the, the only thing you can do at the beginning is play without loss of generality, player one, player two. Yeah. Yes. Some result comes back. Yeah, well, without loss of generality, player one wins. Yes, okay. Okay. Right. So, what does that mean? Either uh, they were both the same, or, <laughs> or player one is a professional and player two is an amateur. We don't know exactly the state of either of them. But we have entangled them. I'm going for it. <laughs> <laughs> so the player one feels like the person we got the most information about. Oh no, the other one's got a loss. It's all equal, isn't it? 
Let's try one of those. Player one with a new person. Player three. Because we okay. know that one, two, and three can't all have the same status. If player one plays against everyone else, then you'd expect... If they're professional, you'd expect them to have a uh, a 50% or higher win record. If player one plays against everybody else individually, you would expect them to lose at least half the time. I mean, that's true, but that feels like we're going for too many matches at that point. Yeah, but maybe it's better to walk before running. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I... If we have three people take part in matches, so one and two, and then say one and three, we know that all three of them can't have the same status. Yeah. We know there's at least one decisive match in there. Well, they could. Oh, I see. In the case where there's four, yeah. yes, yeah. So, I and like if we're generalising with more people, we'd have one person play over half, half and, of the half other people. Plus one, yeah. Yeah. So let's say. Player one played uh, player two in the first one, as and they won. Yeah. Also generality. Let's have that winner, person one, play one of the new people, person three. Mm-hmm. We've now got two cases. Yeah. In the case where three wins against them. Yeah. Then we've got three beating someone that beat someone else. So three is definitely, definitely professional. a professional. Yeah. Two is definitely a non-professional. Because non-professional lost yep. against someone who lost against someone else. Yeah. We don't know about one. They could be in either of the other statuses. Yeah. So do you get the fourth person to play person number one? Do we know that two and four are definitely different? You've worked out that two is amateur, three is professional. Yes. Two is amateur, three is professional, one is one of the middle ones. And, and so, four must be one of the middle ones as well, because there's two of each. Yes, and we know that one and four definitely have different statuses, and so if we get them to play each other, that will be a decisive result. Yeah. One of them go after okay. one and it doesn't. So in that case, we did it in three matches. Yeah. So let's go the other way. Again, in the first match, we're going to have one beat two. But now when we have one play three, we're going to have one win, because that's the other case. Okay. In that case, we know that one is a professional, because they played at least one person, so it was amateur and one. Because yeah, if you yeah, play yeah, two yeah, people, yeah, you yeah, definitely yeah, amateur would not beat them. Yeah. We don't know the statuses of either two or three, we just know that they're different from each other. So this is, seems like a less efficient path. But you get what you're given. Yes. That's the thing, you, can't, you can't choose for... Yeah. We know two and three are different from each other. So if we get them to... Well, do you know two and three are different from each other? They could be both oh, amateurs. They could be both amateur. Yeah. I see, yeah. And we can't get a repeat match because it might give us the same information as before. Yeah. So you just you get the other three to play each other at once. Like you were saying, if you have three, where... So you basically have a situation where you know there's one professional and two amateurs left. Yeah, I was trying to... I was hoping to do it in three picks. Yeah, so when mm. I was working on this one um, the other day when I was checking, it was a good puzzle. I really wanted to do this in three, and I think in that case you can't do it in three. Okay. Because you need to compare four to two and to three because you're not yeah. sure which one's which. Yeah. And um, with two extra picks, that's easy. We can do it in lots of different yeah. ways. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I, f- I think we've, we're happy with a solution in four matches. Okay. Um, well, I think it takes five, doesn't it? To resolve three unknowns, you, you know you've got one professional and two amateurs left. How many does it take then? You've just assume, assumed it's two, but it, is it two? If we get one to play four... Mm-hmm. Because we know one's definitely a... Yeah, so I think you don't want to get one to play. So if four happened to beat one, 
Yeah, you could be really you've solved it, but but we know there's only even if there's only a half chance that happening, and then it becomes probabilistic, which we want to avoid. Okay, so you have a situation where there's three unknowns, one professional, two amateurs. You don't know who's who, so you get two of them to play, and God knows, and then you get the other two to play. Maybe that works. Maybe maybe you do. Maybe it does only take two. Yeah, so I have a, a good way of seeing how it only takes two. If okay. you you play any two of them together, yep. and then play the winner against the other one, oh, then, then whoever's won that won that final match has effectively won beating both of the players. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, then must be the professional. Because that's like the situation before when it was like beating someone who's beaten someone. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But does the beating someone who's beaten someone heuristic then? Sorry to jump to the next thing, but then apply to the like six players. Uh, it's an interesting question. So I think it's um, it's worth generalising this one because there's a nice general formula for the number here. Okay. But I think it's easier to go downwards a little bit. So um, first of all, if, if you only have one player, yep. um, it takes zero games. Yes. Because there's nothing to decide. So if we start from two players, yep. um, then if you have no professionals, it's going to take no games because you know they're both yep. amateur. If you have one professional, one amateur... You get this one game because you play against each other. Yep. Um, so for two players, it's going to take um, for two players. I'm imagining it's like zero one zero. If there's no professionals, it takes zero games. One professional takes one game. Two professionals takes zero games. Okay. Then, oh, so I thought there was an even distribution. We oh, so so we, but we could make it uneven, um, which might help because when you earlier said that we'd we'd reduce it down to having three players where one is professional. Yeah. So if we do all the cases, we can use them to work out the even ones. Okay, so let's do the three-person case. If they were all... So, no professionals to begin with. Yep, then it'll take no games, because they must all be amateurs. Yep. If we had one professional and two amateurs, we did that case in the past, that takes two. It takes two, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, by symmetry, if we have yeah. two professionals and one amateur, that's two. And then zero if it's three professionals. Okay, you oh, no. any pattern come I... out? Well, I mean... It's not Pascal's triangle. It's not it's Pascal's like, triangle. Is, 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 no. it, is it Pascal's triangle minus one? Um, well, let's see. Let's carry on okay. and see what. <laughs> so I, I was I was very much expecting Pascal's triangle. Yeah. When I started seeing this coming out, but let's see where it goes. Okay. Well, the four case we've done the very middle case, which is where we've got um, two professionals and two amateurs. And that that four. takes four. Now in Pascal's triangle, you never get four in the centre. Yeah. yeah. So it's not Pascal's triangle, but it is going to be something else that. For the listeners, what we're doing here is we're laying it out like a triangle, very similar to Pascal's triangle, in that each uh, line below is fitting into the gaps of the one above. So each number has two parent numbers above it. However, the numbers here are different. We've got zeros on both of our outside diagonals. In the same place, you'd have ones on Pascal's triangle. Uh, But inside, well, our rows so far have gone zero, 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 one, zero. 0220 and now we're on the, the 4 line we know both ends are 0 we know the very middle is 4 because that's the very first case we did mm. I, th- I think we need another data point here you need another data point yeah um, so we'll do the case where we've got 1 professional and 3 amateurs yeah how do you start <laughs> <laughs> 2 people play each other yes that's a good call so a 1 plays number 2 and 1 wins yes like before yes now and then you know that two must be amateur. Yes. Because if two is professional, they have to win. That makes sense. So... So now we have three unknowns. Yeah, so now you're affecting the case where you've got three people, one of whom is professional, 
Yep. And we know that takes two, two more matches. Okay, cool. So three in total. Yeah. In those cases where we've got one professional and some number of amateurs, we get someone to play a game. Yeah. One of them wins. That means the other person's an amateur. Yeah. And then we keep going. You just keep... It's You keep, like, winner stays on, essentially. Oh, is winner the best one to keep on? I would say so. Well, there's two ways of seeing it. Either you can think of it as the winner staying on, hmm. or you can think of it as the person who wins, you kind of wipe out the amateur, and then you go up to having one fewer player. Yes. Um, and then, effectively, you do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and if, in both of those cases, you end up with... And you've got N players, N minus one games. Okay, lovely. So, like Pascal's triangle, going through the diagonals, the outside diagonal, where you know all of the players have the same status, it takes zero games. Yep. The next diagonal in, we've got linear numbers. Zero, one, two, three. And then the next one is suspiciously going zero, two, four. Yes, it is. Why is that true? And by the next one, we mean... What is that? Where we've got two of... Two, of two professionals... And the rest are amateur. Yes. Also the other way around. We know we've got two of something. Yeah, with five players this is, right? Yeah. Yeah, five players. So you've got two professionals, three amateurs. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the, the line on the kind of triangle that we're building, if you know you have two of something, it's going zero, two, four. So could it be it that it goes six next? Okay, going back right to the start, I'm, I'm thinking about the case with where we had two professionals and two amateurs. And in that, we played a first game about loss of generality and we got a winner we then played that winner against one of the other people and we had two possibilities one of them told you a winner in the case where your winner from the first game then loses against someone else that tells you one of the people that's definitely a winner that reduces you into the case where you've only got one winner left to find which we know how to solve right that's the easier case the bad case is if that person also wins what we need to do is reduce it into some case which talks about cases where there are only one winner. So it's a recursive formula. That's what I'm trying to do. Hmm. It makes sense to do that because when we had one winner, by playing one match we could then get the number four and then we've shown that it will be the numbers going down the side in order. Yeah. So we want to do something similar here. I'm sorry, when we're saying winner here, do we mean professional? Sometimes. Or do we mean person some, who is right? Sometimes someone professional, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should be careful and say professional when we professional. I don't know how to get there. Okay, so you've got five players, two yep. of them professional. Yep. Um, we want to, and three of them amateur. Yep. Um, we want to reduce it to a case where there's only four unknown players. Yes. Because we know the answer, you know, the number of things there. How many games do we need to play to identify one of these players? It doesn't matter which one. I see. Mm. It's not that we need to find a professional, it's that we need to find the role of any player. Yes. Although actually it... it I think it will matter which player we find because it'll take a different number of games to find yes. a player of the two different types because of the unevenness. Okay. So, we play a game. Yeah. That gives us one winner and one loser. Not necessarily yeah. one professional. Hmm. What are we trying to aim for here? It feels better if we could identify professionals because there are fewer of them. Sure. This is the case where there are two professionals? Yes. Okay. Because there's a general version where it's like, this would be completely symmetric with the other case. Yeah. Yeah. Does the thing about you've beaten someone who's beaten someone still apply in this case? I think when you have three of any particular unknown, that can become a little uh, yeah, useless. Not... So what I was thinking of doing was um, 
getting one to face off against two, yep. get three to face off against four, and then get the two winners to face off against each other. That identifies something, I think. Yeah, that feels like it would identify at least one person, because if you've taken four people out of the five, you must have included at least one of the professionals in that yeah. subset of four. So the winner of your mini-tournament would definitely be a professional. The problem is you've used three moves there to you, to identify one person. Yeah, but my hypothesis is it, will, is it will take six overall. Yeah, so if it takes you three moves to identify a professional, yep. you then are left with three amateurs, three three amateurs, one professional, yep. which we know takes three moves. Okay, so, so that it gives us six. six. Yeah. And... Okay, that, that seems quite... Yeah, so you could do it the other way around. You could, um, if you play loser stays on, yep. you play two matches, you identify a an amateur yep. and then in two moves, and then you've got four more, because we know it takes four moves going that branch. I see. Um, in both cases, you get six. Yes. Okay, right, well, that gives us another row, and it fits some nice patterns, because it's starting to make the the next diagonal lane. We've got the one that goes up in zeros, the one that mm. goes up in ones, the one that goes up in twos, and the next one is started zero, three, six. Mm. So it's that's looking pretty good, but it would be nice to jump towards a recursive solution at this point. So, in general, I'm going to be on the left-hand side of this triangle, so we're going to have fewer professionals and more amateurs. Okay. But by symmetry, we can do the other case here. Your thing of doing a mini-tournament mm. is the how many people do we have to include in that mini tournament definitely include at least one winner so that's number of amateurs plus plus one yes so that because then there must be a professional in that tournament yeah and then if we play winner stays on with all of those you've identified a professional and then you can look up at the the line above you yep yeah but the rule isn't always that it takes number of amateurs plus one because when when you're on the other side it's number of professionals plus one because you're, you're, you're sort of winning is then losing in that case because they, 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 they swap over. Yes. Like an, like an amateur will always lose against a professional but that's the same thing as saying a professional will always win against an amateur in symmetry world. What concerns me at the moment is when you pick this sub bit which includes mm. at least one winner. Now it was neat in that case because we had five people originally reduced into four which is a nice power of two so to do a tournament in all playable tournament was quite nice. But I think it doesn't matter, because I think all you need to do is, if you play Winner Stays On, you could then identify the win- the professional. It's just in that case we could arrange a different tournament. I see. Which is maybe fair, because then you don't have to play two matches in a row, but yeah. if we should, players don't get tired. So, I, I'm going to delve into the algebra a bit here. Let's say we've got P professionals, yeah. and the total number of people we have is N. Yeah. So we have N minus P amateurs. Yep. Um, to do, pick our group, which has at least one professional in it, we need the total number of amateurs, which is n minus p, plus one of them. The number to do an all-play all tournament with that, you have that number minus one. Yeah. If you're doing winner stays on, so you've got n minus p games that you need to play there to determine one of your one professional player. So you used n minus p games, and then you're reading off the value to the top left in our triangle of that and adding it on. Because up and left is one fewer player, and the fewer player in the play taken away is a professional. Yes. Yeah. yeah. One fewer professional. Give me a minute. 
talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to define some uh, functions. <laughs> I'm a little worried about residual information from these tournaments. Yes, you don't but reset I think, the record. I think we saw that in, in the in the four player case that in the best case you get extra information, but in the worst case you get no extra information. Ah, uh, yeah. So I think in it's all ones, about the worst yeah, case. Yeah. In the worst case, you get lucky, and the first player you pick is the winner. Mm. In which case, you know that a professional's beaten all these players, mm. which is no extra information. Mm. So it's only in lucky cases that you get some extra information. Yeah, extra information, yeah. But uh, I wonder whether if you've got maybe 20 players in one of these tournaments there's some you could maybe. design it better to try and get a bit of extra information out of it so it, it may be that the way we're doing this is actually not the smallest number but and definitely the I think the expected number of games is going to be shorter than the maximum than the number of games you need yeah because you can get lucky but because, I yeah. guess we're going for the we're in the worst case scenario how many games would you need yeah. right, I'll jump back in I've got some algebra going on okay so I've defined a function the function works a bit like the choose function on the Pascal's triangle so it's two variables that it runs on are how many people do you have and how many professionals do you have mm. so what it's doing is it's saying kind of how many rows do we have to go down and how far into that road do we go the problem is both like Pascal's triangle it starts off with zero on both of those things mm. um, so for f of np where n is the number of people and p is the number of professionals that's equal to f of n minus one p minus one so I'm saying the term in the up and left from it plus n minus p because n minus p is the number of moves that a sub-tournament takes to determine one of your professional people um, if I can nudge you towards what I know the answer comes up as okay yep the, the formula you get is simpler if instead of doing it in terms of the number of total players and number of professionals you do it in terms of professionals and amateurs okay so in terms of P and N minus P rather than P and N. So P and A, a for number of amateurs. Um, so your subgroup contains A plus one people, so it takes A games to determine a winner from them. So my function is equal to the function in the up and left from it plus A. In this case, up and left would be f of p minus one, because you're one for your professional, a, because you've got the same number of amateurs. Yes. Yes. Because that's the one for your professional direction. Yeah. And you keep going until you're at zero professionals, because f of oh, yeah, if you've you got you zero keep, professionals, yeah. then you know it takes zero. Mm. Which is why these lines start where they are, right? It's uh, there's yeah. There. So each time we add on a, which is why we're getting these these linear sequences going things. on. Yeah. So what is the overall formula for? Has that dropped out yet? So f of n a equals. So I just need to uh, find the start point at the right bit. P minus one a plus a, and you're going until. That's zero, but you can swap the A's and the P's. So the final formula should be something that's symmetric A and P because yeah, A P, A times P, A times yeah. P. So yeah. the numbers there are actually just the multiplication table, but it's hard to spot when we've written them in a triangle like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a multiplication table, but normally we write one of them going down, say the left hand side, and one of them going across the top. Yeah, now, now that I think about it, oh, it keeps going up by the same amount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
which is why it's kind of fun sometimes to take something we're very familiar with, the multiplication table, and yeah. you spot a lot of patterns you've kind of forgotten about because just squash it. And look, there's, there's the, sorry, I'm pointing at something physical, but if you go directly down the middle, you get the square numbers, which is what you'd expect. <laughs> so that means that if you sat with n players of each yes. kind, the number of DMs takes its n squared. That's brilliant. Um, oh, of course. Which may be... Have I off by one error there? I haven't off by one error. Excellent. Yeah, it is N squared. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because you're adding an amount of A for each... So, the formula is F of P and A is equal to F of P minus 1 and A plus A. So, you're, de- you're decrementing uh, the P... By one every by time. By one every time and, and adding A each time. And if you take the A down as well, you end up getting something that will give you square numbers... If we take a, a and P to be the same, yeah. you end up adding on 2A plus 1 every time, I think. Or two, maybe 2A minus 1, which is adding on another odd number, which takes us through the square numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about when prime numbers of games would be needed. Not very often, because it's a multiplication table. Yeah, so I think you can only get prime numbers if there's only one professional or one amateur. Yes. And the total number is one more than a prime? Yes. Hmm. Otherwise, yeah, because we can't yeah, get prime numbers inside it's the multiplication table. The number line, or two times the number line, or three times the number line. But anything on three times the number line is not a prime number. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. That's Thank really you. cool. Yeah. Cool. Thank Good. you. So this is the type of thing that I'm imagining some kind of pop maths outlet has probably done before, but I haven't read it. So, unless you've done maybe it and Chalk does, to, maybe. Yeah, uh, we'll see. So, upcoming is the... Uh, ev- comes around every year, and every year it's massively disappointing, but it's Prime Day soon, which is when Amazon Prime does massive discounts on random objects. Okay. Um, like, it's just... It's just a big discount spree on Amazon.com. Okay. Um, but it's called Prime Day, and it it's occurring across two days, so... <laughs> prime weekend? Yeah. Um, but I wanted to know what's the most prime day? So, like, here's, here's, what here's, do you mean? Well, here's my thought process so far. If you could list all the days as to which day in the year they are, as in 1 to 365, okay. and then you can only be prime day if it exists on a, on a, on a, on a yep. prime number today. Another category is that. Um, prime within the month. It's prime within the month. And a prime numbered month. And a prime numbered month. Yep. And all of that. So, um, here's a big list. Uh, I have it with me on the desk. Okay. Um, so, I have the, all the dates and all the numbers and all the day and all the month. And so I was kind of working, but hoping we could work through it. And then maybe maybe when we've got down to some more, there's probably some more different ways of You want doing, more categories. I want more to... Oh, so you could do... There's a prime number of days left till the end of the year as well. So kind of counting backwards from the end of the year, you could have a prime number. And for each of these things, a, a similar... So, prime number until the end of month. Yeah. yeah. For, which would immediately rule out any which had an odd number of odd days. Number of days unless one of the prime numbers is two. And two is a prime number, as we know. But then 26 and 28 are not. But you could have 20 well, 29 and th- Two. Uh, 29 and 2. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to wipe out the non-prime uh, months okay. to start with. Which are January. Yep. April. April. I'm going to make a mess of this so it's really embarrassing. So prime, June. prime Day cannot be in January. April. June. 
August, September, October, December. I don't have an intuitive sense of whether we're going to have any left after you've done your first four categories. So you're going to have quite a lot left after, after you get rid of the months. Yep. Once you've just done months and days, you're going to have quite a few numbers left. I'd be surprised if by chance... Mm, yeah, it's not independent. Any left then? Because you've got a lot of numbers left. You'd imagine one of them would fall in the prime number. You, you almost you have a, a, an easy to see example with the first of January. So the second of January, because the day is prime and the day in the year is prime, but one is not prime, so it can't. It doesn't quite. Yeah. Second of February. It's good, but February has twenty-eight days. Sometimes. What year is it? Two thousand nineteen. Not. Oh, it depends on the leap year. Um, this is a non-leap year because it's this year. It's the one I'm thinking about. <laughs> For the second, the second of February is two of the two, which are prime, and is that a pri- how many days are there in January? Thirty-one, which means it's the thirty-third day of the year, so it doesn't stick there. I'm trying to find the first day that would stay behind. Yes, okay. Um, right, so I've got rid of the months. Yep. I'm probably going to get rid of the day, the days. So the months that remain, just for summary, is February, March, May, July, and November. For the first three categories of the day of the month, the month number, and the day of the year, yep. I think there's going to be none in February. Because the 2nd of February doesn't work, as we just said, because you get it's the 33rd day of the year. Yep. Then every other prime number, the day of the year is going to be 31 plus that prime number, which gives you an even. I see. So Perfect. February is ruled out. So yep. we can jump to March. We can see if we can get there before so ha- finds any. How many days before then? We've had 31 in January. And We've 28. Had 28. Because it's not a leap year. Yep. Which gives us 59. Okay. Which oh, is so the second, second of the third is 61 prime. Seven yes. Going to it. So, so the second of March is going to be the first prime, prime, prime day. Okay. Yep. That, if there's an odd number of days leading up to it, is a really useful thing. So should we do that for the others? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So there's no other, there's no others in March because all the other ones again will be even. Yes. So that's May. So we had 31 plus 28 plus 31 plus 30 leading up to May. Yep. It's 120. It's even for the first time because the other ones. Oh yeah. Even, yeah. Okay. So which means now we have lots of May is a good one. Yeah. Um, lots of. Um, contestants so yes, what are your what are your extra already. rules so I've I've taken out all the the non-prime months and the non-prime days yeah you're saying there's something we're doing a number from counting from January the first how many days through the year yes because it gives us big numbers Wait. because a lot of them are going to be not prime and we can eliminate so the list of days of the year that I have remaining for February just to just to test what you're saying are 33 yep 34 uh, so they're, they're, okay, so it's 33, and then they are all even numbers Yes. after that. And because 33 is not prime, that means February is worked out. Yes. We tried the same thing with March. Yeah. We got that the 2nd of March is on a prime number, because it's the 61st day of the year. 61, yeah. But all of the others are even in March. This is true. And so they're all gone. Yep. Goodbye. And now we're talking about May. Um, and before May starts after 120 days... Which means that any odd number prime number is going to give you an odd number. So there's a lot of um, options here. I will say that yeah, May the second is 122, and there the rest of them are all odd numbers. Yes. So there could be an awful lot of them that are prime. Yeah. I guess 123 isn't because it's multiple of three. Yep. 125 isn't. 127. I'm going to bring up a big list of primes. So. I, I, I'm only confident May. on my um, first 
100 numbers, whether they're prime or not. Yeah, and um, can confirm 127 is prime. So that is the 7th of May. Big old prime. Big old prime. So we've got a second triple prime day. It's the biggest prime I know. 131 is May the 11th. Yep. But is that prime? Yes, it is. So May the 11th and May the 7th. 7 goes into 133? It's 140 minus 7, so... That's easier than the way I thought about it, yes. <laughs> May the 17th is 137. Is that prime? Yes, it is. 139. So there's lots in May. 139 is prime as well. Um, while you're doing that, yeah. August also starts after an even number of days, so there's probably going to be a lot in August as well. August we've already wiped out because August is not prime. Oh, I mean... August is 8. I mean 7. July. Oh, wait, take off 31. Okay. Oh, okay, so it's so, okay. July has a bunch of even numbers, yeah, you're right. July has a bunch of even numbers. Yeah. So July is only going to have the 2nd of July or nothing. 2nd uh, of July is also 183, so which is a multiple of 3. So that's True, okay, so there's no in July. So July is right out. Which means once we've done April, it's in November to check. I'll check on the days right before. But to go up there from the last one that you checked, we'll just be adding another sets of 30 and 31 yes it's two more sets so we're checking May can I help you check May would that be useful uh, can you check the numbers 143 and 149 uh, yeah May 31st is 1.1 as well so uh, there's no 31st day in... oh no there is 149 did you say yes, that please. is prime okay and 143 143 is not prime. Cool. What is what is 143? 143 is 11 times 13. It's true. Yeah. And then 151. 151 uh, is prime. Cool. Well, we've got lots in May then. So you've got 127, 131, 137, 139, and 149. Yep. So May the 7th, May the 11th, May the 17th, May the 19th, and May the 29th. Yep. So and then there were none in August, so now we've just got November. Okay. How many days were there before our... November. 365 take away. Oh, take away 61. Oh, yeah, 261, yeah. Which would be odd. So, November the 2nd. No, take away 61, even, yeah. Is that the one we want? So, that means there's lots of. Adding an odd number makes it odd, so it means there's lots of options in. Lots of odd numbers in November, correct. Okay. November the 2nd is the 306th day. So, that's out. Which is out. 307th? Feels pretty prime. (laughs) <laughs> that was, was primey. That was primal. Three hundred seventh is prime. I think what we're doing here is we're doing the quick. Does it divide by three trick? Yeah. And if it passes that, we're saying yeah, probably. Yeah. Why doesn't divide by five? <laughs> Seven looks unlikely. And that's that's all the dividers, right? Do you know the trick for um, dividing by eleven or working out whether it's dividing by eleven? Is it the one where you? Alternately add and subtract digits? Yes. Is it that one? Right. Add up every other digit and then add up the other ones. And if they're the same or differ by a multiple of 11, then it is itself divisible by 11. Mm. Yes. I think during my teacher training, we worked out why that was true. And I can't remember as often. Think of it as 11 10 plus 1. So it's you're talking about a place and the place next to it. Yeah. So it, Right. Yeah. So it'll, it'll contribute itself into... If you say, say you're multiplying 123 by 11, 3 will contribute itself into where it's sitting and the, and the one right, higher than I it. Right, I see. Yeah. And so if the sums add up, it makes, yeah. it's come from yeah. one of them. Yeah. 
I didn't know the proof for the dividing by three rule for the longest time and I just kind of accepted it for about 10 years and then one day when I was just walking home from work uh, I, I was if you know London, this exactly was. There's a little footbridge above the road next to Vauxhall Station. I was standing on there, and this bolt came from the blue and went, "It's 99 plus one," <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then it all it all came from there. I had a massive like cascade. Of, I wasn't even thinking about it. It was just yeah. my subconscious had been plucking away at this for about five years, trying to work out why it was the case, and then it just it just came in, came to me. I- I saw a really nice PDF where it had the divisibility rules from 1 to 100. Mm. Um, it's a very long paper. Now, most of them are completely useless because most of them just trying the short division is so much easier than applying these rules. Right. They all look a bit like the 11 one where you're adding and subtracting various different combinations of things. It, it was quite nice because it, it had like one I'd never seen for seven. Yeah. I, I can't remember how it worked, but... Again, doing the short division. Have you, have you heard of the Trachtenberg system of maths? No. Okay, so it's it's a book you can get which has um, horrendous rules for multiplication. But I think it's based on similar things where you have like to multiply by seven, you like do something, you do these bits times three and these bits times five and add it all together. And it, um, it like it was written as a, I think as like this is what you should be teaching kids to do. Yeah. And they're all just these like opaque tricks that are just like horrendous. <laughs> um, but it's quite interesting to like try and work out how some of them actually work. Yeah. Alex um, just attempted to write Trachtenberg down. I suspect it's Trachtenberg, German, T-R-A-C-H-T-E-N-B-E-I-G. I guess so. I have the book at home. I can send you okay. the next. <laughs> <laughs> the bet is on as to whether it's T-R-A-T-C-H, Trachtenberg. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think some of these divisibility rules come from that or similar yeah. systems of trying to work things out. 309 multiplies by 3. That's November the 5th. Remember, remember the 309th day of the year. <laughs> You should forget it, it's not fun. Uh, 311. Prime or no prime? You're writing these down, right? I've not been... I've got a big Excel, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay we'll, we'll stop writing. 311 <laughs> is prime. 315 multiplies by 5. Let me just do November, and then... Okay, add, add, and then we'll try and do some additional... Are you trying to make Prime Day a thing? It's already a thing. Well, Amazon makes a thing, but unfortunately they put it in July, which, as we know, does not pass the rule. We've already ruled out the whole month. Yeah. yeah, we should write to Amazon and tell them to change the Prime Day. Here, to the here prime are the dates day. that you can potentially have for Prime Day. So, what, what are our extra conditions going to be then to try and find the unique Prime Day? Well, you mentioned one in the past, which was the number of days till the end of the year. Could also yeah, be prime. but then we could go from the number of days to the end of the month to be Prime. Do you think any will pass both of those things? So, some of the ones in November might because it's yeah. How many how many days in the month we've got left? So I, I guess for it to be true, it's going to have to be one of the months we've got yeah. lots of options, which were May, August, and November, or just May and November. May and November. May and November. Plus we had a single day in March, which we might as well check. Yeah, and a single day in April. No. March. March. Was that the only one? There was no other month of a single day? No. Okay. So May and November and a single day in March. So it feels like if we're going to find one, it have to be in May and November. Yeah. May has... 31 days? Yes. November has 30 30. days. So it feels more likely it'll be in November, because then you can get two odd numbers out into 30, given it has to be a prime number in and a prime number from the end. Okay, yep. Um, So May the 2nd is our only option if we try and find one in May, which I think we've already ruled out, haven't we, May the 2nd? May the 29th was one. Oh, May the 29th, which is two from the end. So May the 29th 
If May the 29th is a prime number of days from the end of the year, yep. it would work. Okay, cool. I'll put it on my super good VIP list. Can um, I tell you the days you have remaining? Because it's actually a very small number of days. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, candidates for Prime Day, yep. of which there are only nine, oh, wow. is March the 2nd, Yep. May the 7th, Yep. May the 11th, Yep. May the 17th, May the 19th, May the 29th, Yep. November the 3rd, November the 7th. And November the 13th. Lovely. November the 13th that feels really prime. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the most prime feeling of them all. Okay, so we've checked. The one in March is... Oh, the one in March is good as well. For the end of the month. Because it's the second, yeah. Yeah, so the second of March is also a prime number of days from the end of its month. Because it's 29 days away from the end of the month. Okay. And the 29th of May is a prime number of days from the end of the month as well, because it's two days away from the end of the month. Hmm. Um, let's just do a quick check on November. November has an even number of days, it's 30. Yeah. So November the 3rd is 27 days from the end, which is multiple of three. Yep. Is it 27 days from the end? Isn't it the 28th day in reverse November? Oh, we, uh, we, we fence posts and fence parties. happens. Right, okay. So, let's just pretend all the days, for evaluating purposes, pretend they have one extra day. So, going back to March, instead of having 31 days, let's say it's 32, because then we can take away two from it and get 30. So, that one's out. Okay, so, so now... In May, again, adding up to get to 32. 25 is out. And 21 is out. Do we like this thing of, like, number of days from the reverse of the month better than we do number of days from the reverse of the year because we're going to have to choose at this point so well so we were trying to find, see if there was one that could do both of those but I feel oh, like I see. wishful thinking to depend, we'll see how many we get left yeah I guess we can see how many are left for each one and decide yeah. which is the best criteria based on that okay um, no forevermore the national holiday of gods and evenings will be on this day <laughs> I'm writing a new column is reverse month and is reverse year so I need you to tell me when you've come to these conclusions I need you to tell me which ones work for this thing and which ones don't because you're doing them by hand the 19th of May is alright is that the first one yep and the 29th of May November doesn't have any November does not have any it has 30 days in it so I've been taking everything away from 31 mm. but because they're all odd it gave me even numbers so the ones to check then are 139 and 149 so if I do Three, uh, 366 take 139. Yep. And 366 take 149. What do we get? Are they going to be odd? That's a good start. So, the numbers that I have are... May the 19th is 227. May the 29th is 217. Are those prime? Neither of a multiple of 3. 217 is a multiple of 7. Because it's 21... Yep. Seven. So 227 is the only option left. Which is Prime. Ah, so we found Prime Day. May the 19th. May the 19th. Is the primest day because <laughs> it is on a prime, the prime day of the year. It is on a prime like day in the month. Yep. In a prime month. It's a prime number of days from the end of the month. Yeah. And it's a prime number of days from the end, from of, the the end of the year. Is 2019 Prime? No, it's multiple of three. True. Well, so when's the next prime year? <laughs> <laughs> I only look at the rough at the beginning of the year for UK Bath Challenge. 
Of course, they always put the year in the questions. Yeah. Really useful <laughs> yeah. To know. 2027 is the next prime year. So May the 19th, 2027, we have a good eight years to plan a massive party now. Done. Cool. <laughs> Done. <laughs> and uh, it will also be a prime number of days from the end of the universe. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Leap years ruin the reverse year thing, don't they? They They turn all of these into even numbers, so there is no prime day on a leap year. Because you'll be taking the odd number, which is to say 367. Unless any of the seconds work then, which didn't work now. Because it adds in an extra day near the beginning. Oh, so March the 2nd. Oh, March the 2nd could work. And also some of the later ones could work. I don't want to do that calculation. No, the later ones were... Mm, Okay. But some of the later ones that didn't work now could... Well, they swap their parity. But they're they're still not reverse month. This is true. They're still not reverse month. Only February could possibly change, but February's February's been gone somehow. Thank you very much for indulging me. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad it comes down to one. I'm not sure we did any maths. I think we did maths. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we did lots of arithmetic. Which is... I'm going to write the May 19th in my diary, so yeah. I've got that. May the 19th. Unfortunately, it's already happened this year when this is released. May 19th, 2020. Send us pictures of the biggest prime you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag prime day. Hashtag big old prime. Right, so thank you very much. Matthew Scoggs for coming and joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been yeah. good fun yeah. solving puzzles here. Yeah. Would you like to take part in our normal wrapping up process of how satisfied we were with the things? Um, I'm tempted to say no, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> the door is there. <laughs> right, so the first thing that we talked about was Alaric's... Uh, Quantum Go Fish. Quantum Go Fish. I liked Quantum Go Fish, but I didn't like how many parallel things I was having to keep track of at all time in my brain I, I think when we try it at Big Math Jam we will um, use the paper clips where we have some sort of visual reminder there mm. but yeah I really liked it too mm. normally we give it a score from uh, 0 to 10 of how much uh, I don't know what's our metric here satisfaction yeah um, 8 I quite enjoyed that one mm. I'm, I'm going to go 7 slightly lower because we didn't I'm not satisfied yet that I haven't worked out very much about the optimal strategy. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I'd like to go away and think about, but it seems hard. Yes. Mm. I think possibly the two-person one you could write in the format of a puzzle. Because it, you could give some of the initial moves and then say, what move should you do here? In the same way that you publish like chess puzzles and things. Yes. That could mm. be I wonder if you could design good puzzles for the three-player or four-player game. Yeah. That's my afternoon sorted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wish you for it. I think, yeah, probably seven as well. Just because the stuff that we did in the next thing around the tennis, I think you could probably do something similar to this one. Also, I've imagined the directed graph in my head and I I kind of would be most satisfied if I actually saw it come into being. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if the tennis players is like having if, if this the quantum go fish is like the tennis players, but each tennis player is holding three rackets or something. It's almost like this is a generalization of the tennis thing. Mm. We've done things in the past where Alex and I have both picked something and they've ended up both being weird addition in different guises or something. They've yeah. ended up being the same theme back. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we found out here. So the second thing that we did was the tennis tournament finding out who's a professional and who's an amateur yeah yeah such a neat solution um p times a 
at yeah. the end and realising it's just a multiplication grid. I wonder how much further we'd have had to go just writing in lines of this before we'd have uh, spotted that it was a multiplication yeah, grid. Yeah, so when I when I did this before to make sure... I, I wanted to check there was a good pattern that came out. It wasn't just some horrendous formula. I typed into OIS before I noticed about myself. Yeah. It's a multiplication table. I looked again and I was like, oh, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Because I guess if you write it down, the triangle thing, and then you look at it from an angle so that like parallax comes in, yeah, and then it, it might actually look like a right angle, the angle that you have, and then yeah, it'll look like a multiplication. It's just because I like we've done here. I'd written it like Pascal's triangle. Yeah. I really didn't expect multiplication to come out of it. Now. Yeah, yeah, it came from a really odd direction. Yeah, I'm glad you laid it out in the same way that we ended up going. Yeah, mm. uh, <laughs> I I can give that a ten. That was a satisfying answer to something which was a quite a succinct problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll give a 10. I think we've wound for your solved it. Is there anything else? Okay, I don't want to not give it a 10, because you guys have given it a 10, but I'm still not sure about this residual information in, in larger tournaments. Yeah, problem. true. It could be that for very large numbers of people, you could design a way of doing it quicker. We found a bound, then, rather than possibly yeah. the actual answer. Do you know whether this is optimal? No. Right, okay. There we go. Is that optimal, listeners? Um... Our listeners are fantastic at this. They will tell you within, within half an hour of the episode being... Oh, wonderful. Hour, yeah. <laughs> More like 12 hours. <laughs> it's been pretty quick, though, in the past. Um, so I will give that... If I'm allowed a half, I'll give it a nine and a half. If not, it's a nine. A nine it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the last thing we did was Prime Day, which is the primest day with, with lots of prime criterion applied to it much as I like uh, the final result that it was one day um, two Alex what <laughs> this is a maths podcast you got us uh, but will it, will this not be some like massive thing and people will like celebrate maths on this day now I, I will like it if that's the case but, uh... <laughs> so will you promise to revise your score if, if if proper prime day becomes a thing yes okay okay fine good that's all I've said um, I think I'd give it a four. Yeah. I think there's a bit more neat maths in there than um, Alaric gives it credit for. Um, like there were some nice things with when we worked out that a month started and even number of days is the year you then had lots of options for primes. Mm-hmm. There's there a few yeah. neat bits in there. Yeah. The neatness is that primes are quite neat. Yeah, I guess that is true. Don't agree with that. Primes are not <laughs> neat. If primes were neat, the world would be a very different place. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, um, I was fiddling around with the laptop for too long, so I'll, I'll give it a four as well. Cool. Right, thank you everybody for joining us on this first time we've ever had a guest on, and it's gone pretty well. So, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you like us doing this, potentially suggest other guests, but we're, we don't want this to become like a all-the-time-have-a-guest-on-type podcast. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, maybe <laughs> if these are the best episodes then why not eh? every single time um, if you want to contact us um, we are at odds and evenings on twitter um, there's a contact form on the website as well which will end up in our email box if you want to send us something longer nice pdf in latex or whatever yeah um, how can they contact you um, so I'm at mscrogs on twitter um, also have a website mscrogs.co.uk where you can find anything else you want like email I think my IRC is listed on there which is probably still active um, Matt's blog is fantastic it's well worth a read um, mm-hmm. uh, I, the highlight of the year is always the advent calendar of puzzles leading up to uh, Christmas um, but no there, there are great things on there all the time 
and you can find me on Twitter at, at speakmouthwords. I don't think we said the website. The website is alternatenews.com. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, theme music by David Russell 323 on YouTube. And I reckon that's it yeah. for our various internet-y things. Hooray. Um, thank you for uh, listening to our episode. And um, bye-bye. First of all, it's live. Hello. We've had we've done live episodes before. You just hit that wire. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this type of thing happens in physical space. Um, 